morning. Thanks for the invitation to be back with you again. I feel like a man without a country these days. After preaching in a church for 34 or 5 years and in different churches for 50 years I stayed in one location. But now I'm all over. I got like 5 or 6 churches I go to and visit and it's like I got a bigger country now, you know. It's uh, like I, when I go back to all these churches, I have all these friends now that I've gotten to know and know better, and it's been a, a wonderful thing indeed. I've been doing a, a series based on 1 Corinthians 13, 13. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. When I was with you last time, the first day of the year, we did faith. And now I'm coming back, and I'm going to do hope. And if I get here a third time, we'll finish up with love, the greatest of the things. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 is set in the context of Paul confronting division within the church. And the division was called, uh, caused by spiritual gifts, which I will get into more uh, if we do uh, love together in the future. In chapter um, 12, he talks about gifts. In chapter 14, he talks about gifts. But in chapter 13, he takes a little time away from gifts to talk to them about how the church can have unity in a better way than gifts, which became a matter of great argument and division within the church. And that better way is faith, hope, and especially love. That tells us, reminds us that sometimes we can concentrate on the lesser things and forget the more important things. It's so easy to do that Jesus criticized the spiritual leaders of his day over straining out the gnat and swallowing the camel. And I wonder, especially in reform circles, how many times we we concentrate on things that most people aren't thinking about, dealing with issues that are high in the educational area, but not dealing with the things that we need for our day in and day out living. Having taken a look at the great importance of faith, now let us consider the great importance of hope. It is a terrible thing to have no hope. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in which you felt you had no hope. Hopelessness keeps us from trying because we think, what is the use? Now, very few of us are in a hopeless situation, humanly speaking. But if we think things are hopeless, even when they are not, we don't look for anything better. Hopelessness can be more a state of mind than it actually is the state of our circumstances. Hopelessness is not to be a mindset of those who live by faith. Now turn with me to Romans, the 15th chapter, the 13th verse, which is going to be the main text, but we can look at other texts also as we go through here. Being a topical sermon, loosen up your fingers because we're going to take a look at various scriptures 
and, and, and tie the scriptures that have to do with hope together. It says this in verse 13 of Romans 15. May the God of hope. Is that not wonderful? God has hope and God gives hope. And if we're going to have hope, it's because it's in God and his perfections. May the God of hope. Last time we were together, we saw a man um, whose son had had uh, severe problems and the disciples were unable to help him. And when Jesus came on the scene, the man approached Jesus and asked if Jesus could possibly do anything. And Jesus said, everything is possible to those who believe. Hope and faith are intertwined. To have one is to have the other. And it says here, may the God of hope fill you. Fill you to the brim with all joy and peace in believing. Hope and belief fills us with joy and peace. They're intertwined and we need both of them. When we have joy and peace and believing, it's because we have hope and faith and those emotions follow. Where is our joy? Where is our peace? We have to begin to wonder where is our faith and where is our hope? And then he prays and this wonderful prayer for not only the Romans but all the believers so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Isn't that wonderful? He fills us with hope, and we can have abounding hope. Through what? The work of the Holy Spirit, which is given to us through Jesus, the comforter he sent to believers once he left this earth and ascended into heaven. That's what he's left us, that we might abound in hope. Abundant hope. I pray that you too will have abundant hope as believers because it is based on the wonderful Savior that we believe in. Now you don't need to turn there. I will turn there just to make sure I get the passage correct. But Ephesians 2.12, and I give these verses to you whether you turn there or not, so you might write them down and maybe refer to them later and meditate upon them. Remember that you were, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. I'm going to give you two phrases. They're going to sound exactly the same, but they're going to mean the opposite. No hope are no God, no hope, no God, no hope. Those are sounding the same, right? But they mean the opposite. N-O God, N-O hope. K-N-O-W God, K-N-O-W hope. You see, the reason for not having hope is not our circumstances. It is not having God. That means we have no hope. 
without God and without hope, he tells us here very clearly. How can we believe that all things are working together for the good, Romans 8, 28, if we do not believe that there's an all-powerful, wise God, if he is not a part of our thoughts, a God who is in charge and, and, and fulfilling all of his promises, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 tells us that we who believe, though we mourn, we don't mourn as the unbelievers who have no hope. My mother died 12 years ago. So Mother's Day is, like for many people, kind of sad. Miss your mother, miss your spouse, miss your children miss whatever has been taken from us, which is a part of life. But Paul says we don't have to mourn as those who have no hope. Why? Because we believe that the Jesus who died and rose again will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. And that's our hope. Leaving this earth and going to that place where everything that has been lost will be restored. I, I like that scene in the new Mary Poppins where she sings the song about the, the, the um, lost things. There's a place where lost things go. The older I get, the more I realize that. I'm losing things all the time. I used to look for them. I no longer do that, generally. I just tell myself in the vein of Mary Poppins, it's gone where the lost things go. And sure enough, a week later, a month later, ah, <laughs> there it is. It's come back from where the lost things go. In the same way with our loved ones. They're where the lost things go. But they'll be the found things when Jesus returns. May that be our hope today, especially if this Mother's Day is kind of painful for us. Now let's consider where or how we can become hopeful. Okay, Pastor, you told us about being hopeful. Now, exactly what can we do to bring about this hopefulness? Well, Psalm 119, 147 is a very, very foundational verse. And so, if you want to turn, you can. We won't be there that long, or you can just hear me, hear me read it. It says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. David was king. David had a lot of worries in his life. David had a lot of situations that uh, were difficult. And how does he find help in his life? He says, even before the sun rises, even before the new day comes, I cry for help because I hope in your words. It is in the word of God that we have hope. We can have no hope without the word of God because the word of God is his inspired infallible word teaching us what we need to know. And we need to be in the word in order to have hope. It is the scripture that gives us hope and I hope you've found that through the years that it is your stay and your strength that you can get up from prayer and expect God to hear and answer because of his love for us in his word and in Christ.
we can get up early rather than laying in bed depressed. Because all the Bible teaching about God, who He is and what He does, is given in that word for us to feed upon. David is anxious to start the day trusting in God's word. May we be also. Now turning to 2 Corinthians 1.19, going back to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, the 19th verse. It says this. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Salvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter an amen to God. Jesus is the center of the scriptures and the scriptures of hope tell us about Jesus and Jesus is fulfillment of all the promises of the scripture. Every promise God has ever made, every promise that still has to be fulfilled is yes in Christ Jesus. That is our hopefulness that the word of God we read will be totally yes because he is the promise from Acts 26, 6 through 18. And he is the sure promise from Titus 1, 2. Somebody said at one time, I heard in a sermon, that there were 4,000 promises of God in the Bible. I've never checked it out. Maybe you'd like to take some time and start in Genesis 1, 1 and read through and see how many promises you can count. But whether there are 4,000 or not, how many of them do we really know? Promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Promises like, if we believe in him, we have eternal life. Ask and you shall receive. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. But no matter how many there are, it is in Jesus that we have them all fulfilled. Jesus is our hope, 1 Timothy 1, 1. If you do not have hope in Jesus today, it would be one of the most, the most important thing, the second most to believing in him, the hope in him, and to find your hopes in him fulfilled. We have the scripture that gives us hope. We have Jesus and him fulfilling the promises of the scripture that give us hope. And we also have the character of God that gives us hope. Now we're going to turn back to the Old Testament again, Lamentations. Lamentations, the third chapter, the 19th verse. Jeremiah has predicted the fall of Jerusalem and he sees the destruction of the city and the temple of God. Lamentations, after he gave his prophecy and Jeremiah of the destruction of the city, and Lamentation mourns that destruction. 
that he sees. The whole nation of Judah is destroyed. They are either killed, are sent into exile, are remaining in the land impoverished among horrible destruction. And Jeremiah is very honest here, saying in verse 19, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He is depressed. His soul cannot even stand upright. He's afflicted. He's wandering with no home. It's bitterness. It's gall. It's tough. How many negatives in your life have there been? What kind of toughness have you seen? I think of those scenes of um, places in, in Ukraine because of war or Syria because of earthquake and the terrible suffering that many people go through. And it reminds me of Jeremiah and the thankfulness that usually we don't have that severe suffering. But people do. And Jeremiah did here. In verse 21, he gets himself out of it. How? But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. There is something that I can call to mind despite all the destruction that is around me, and that gives me hope. And what is it? The steadfast love of Jehovah never ceases. Isn't that kind of strange? With all the destruction around him, how could he be thinking about God's love never ceasing? But he doesn't take a Polaroid picture of life and concentrate on that one specific moment. He lifts up his eyes to the scripture, to the promises of God, to the prophecies he made of restoration, and he understands that God's love is perfect and it's steadfast, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. There is mercies here for us even in this. And the great mercy was to knock out of Israel idolatry forever. And you know what? Israel's never been guilty of that idolatry of the Old Testament since this time. It was completely removed from them as a people. What a mercy. God applies the flame that purify us and take out the dross. He says, they, the mercies, are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jehovah is my portion. The land in Israel is not my portion. My possessions are not my portion. My loved ones are not my portion. Jehovah is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. In the midst of all this hopelessness, Jeremiah still hopes, even in the midst of his distress and mourning. 
A new day brings new mercies, revealing new faithfulness. May we wake up every morning expecting what God will show us in a new mercy today and in faithfulness. May we all in our troubles recall God's love and mercy so that we can have also restored hope when things are bad. May we see each morning a new day for mercy and get up ready to take that mercy and to find ourselves trusting in Him. If everything, every blessing were to be taken from our lives right now and we could not think of one human thing to be thankful for, there is still one thing that will always sustain us that can't be taken away from us. I remember Richard Rombrandt, the, um, the pastor who was put in Soviet prison and was tortured and was forsaken and he was alone in his cell. And the thing that had him recover was in his delirious state, a vision of Jesus. No matter how things, bad things are, Jesus has died for you. In time, place, history, he became your savior. And he's in heaven at the right hand of God interceding for us. We've got nothing else in this world. We have Jesus his death and resurrection in love and is praying for us by name at the Father's right hand. May that be your hope when you have nothing else to hang on to, the hope to sustain you in the midst of hopelessness. Colossians 1.5 tells us about a future hope, not only hopes in this life, but the future hope ultimately for the life to come. Turn with me to 1 Peter 1.4. Another wonderful passage on hope. Did you know there were these many? Did you remember there were these many passages on hope? How many times we've read through the Bible and, and yet never really, because we see them one at a time, don't tie them together. 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, their character of God again, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, not a dead hope, a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. We have a hope for the future. No one else can say that they have a guaranteed future. It's believers in Christ who have that guaranteed future with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And what is this inheritance? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. We may not ever obtain all the things we hope for, all the promises of God in this life, but in the life to come, we will. I love this. 
imperishable. This life will never perish. This life will never have any defilement in it. What a refreshing thing. And unfading. Things on earth, Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth because they rust, they corrupt. That brand new car you get in 20, 25 years is going to be a rusting hulk and some, and you take care to park it, not near other people so it doesn't get its first dent. And it's nice and shiny, it smells new, but it fades away. I cut one of the pink roses from our robe bush and brought it in the house and put it in the water. And it, it was beautiful for days, but what happens? It fades. And heaven, it never fades. It never grows old. Every flower stays as bright and real as the first day you picked it. Remember when you tasted a new food? The first time you taste anything, it, it awakens your your senses, but the more time that you experience it, the less wonderful it becomes. In heaven, everything is like the first taste. It never, never, never fades away. It never grows old. That's why the addictions here to all these things on earth, we start out, we can do a little of it, but the longer we, we try to experience those pleasures, the more they fade, the more and more and more we need of it until it destroys us and consumes us as a false god. In heaven, that will never be. It's a wonderful thing. That inheritance reserved. It's a nice thing to have when we travel to have a, um, a reservation in. Jesus said that he's preparing many dwelling places for us that where he is there we may be also. It is through Jesus Christ that that reservation is made. It was many years ago, it was the joining and receiving assembly of the PCA and the RPCES. I was in the RPCES at that time, Reformed Presbyterian Church Evangelical Synod. And at uh, Calvin College in uh, Michigan, they had a general assembly, and I had a church in Virginia along the North Carolina border. So I took the family, and we all went to general assembly, and lo and behold, once we got there, um, one of the one of the members of the church had died and they asked me to come back and do it. Maybe in later years I would have said, well, I'll give you another minister to do. I'm up here and, you know, or you can wait. But I went back, went to the first worship service the first evening and, and, um, and then went back and um, we got around Richmond, Virginia and the University of Virginia was graduating and we had driven all day, and I said to Marilyn, I don't know if I can make it. Why don't we get a room, and we'll be refreshed in the morning, go right in and, and uh, do the funeral. So we stopped at a hotel. It was about 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. I still had a couple more hours to drive and just felt it was unsafe. So I went to the hotel. I said, uh, I'd like to have a room. I didn't know what was happening. They said, there's no room for miles. I said, oh, really? Yes, the University of Virginia is graduating. I said, oh, Lord help. I said, well, is there anyone 
hotel in the area that you might know of? Uh, they said, yeah, I'll give, one, give a few a call. So he made a few phone calls and came back and said, there's one room open at a hotel down the street. I said, thank you, Lord. Went and had a good night's sleep as much as I could after all that and then uh, got up early in the morning and drove in and did the funeral. There were those foolish virgins who when the time came for the wedding feast were not prepared. I pray that you are prepared, that your reservation is in, that you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him, and you're anticipating that glorious appearing, which is Titus 2.13, our blessed hope. The second coming of Christ is called the blessed hope in Scripture. Maybe we should stop calling it the second coming of Christ, which is more doctrinal, and call it the blessed hope, which is more practical to our daily living. Now these verses do not cover anywhere near all the ones that speak of hope. So as you read the Bible in your devotions and consult a concordance and review these verses on hope, there are so many more encouraging verses. We have no reason to be hopeless if we hope in God. If you don't have hope now, is the day to get it, to put faith in the one who shows his love to you in his death and resurrection. Invite him into your hopeless life so you can have hope. And we who have hope with its resulting peace and joy, may we always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that is in us gently and with respect. And since we do have communion, I'm going to let Phil do what he does, but I wanted to tie in the supper and this theme of hope. As we have hope in God and His Son, Jesus Christ, so this table is a table of hope. The Lord's table is hope of forgiveness for our faults, hope of reconciliation with God and one another, hope for change in the new creatures, hope for a lost world walking in darkness, Hope as we reflect in this meal on God's mercies. Hope for overcoming what ails us. Hope for a new world in paradise. With this hope, lift up your hearts that in Jesus, the old and new, we are accepted in Christ. We are children of the heavenly King. Lord, as we uh, reflect on these things, we pray that you would help the Holy Spirit leap in our hearts and that we would, as we leave here, live in such a way that we would not quench out that hope, but they would, we would live in ways that would engender and build that hope within us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.mercyhillnj.org. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Church House located at 300 University Boulevard in Glassboro, off of Harvard Avenue, adjacent to the J. Harvey Rogers School and near Rowan University. We'd love for you to join us.
please see our website for directions. Thank you again for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast.